You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Derek Jeter! This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome! To a Thursday edition of the Yanks Go Yard podcast. I'm Adam Weiner alongside Thomas Carinante, and we've got some proposals for you, Rob Manfred, if you have some proposals for us. We're going to be talking about everything the commish said in his latest session in the public eye, which, uh, you know, season starting on time, spring training starting on time, feels like a no for me, dog. But if you're telling me it is, we got to respond like it is. Uh, but a couple of interesting nuggets in there that also help the Yankees with Luke Voigt. Also, we're going to be talking about a trade option that we have not covered yet, just covered on the website. Today, if Jack Flaherty doesn't like being in the Cardinals and the Cardinals don't like Jack Flaherty, why don't the Yankees just go for it? Plus, a tribute to Gerald Williams and Jeremy Giambi, two 90s, 2000s baseball players who left us way too soon this week, both with Yankees connections. So we're just going to devote a little bit of time to them. Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us a five-star review along with a mailbag question. We will be more than happy to answer it. And we will be more than happy to see you live on YouTube Mondays and Thursdays at 2 o'clock Eastern time. Uh, Folks, you can find us there. Thomas Carinante, welcome to the podcast. Um, Any strong feelings on what Rob Manfred's given us? Uh, why is he here? Why is he doing what he's doing? And and what does he expect to come out of the gibberish that he dropped us on Thursday morning? Strong feelings of doubt, more doubt. Um, I don't care what people say. I just don't care what people say. You know, you live life. People tell you things. Most things are not true. Most things don't come true. Um, why am I going to believe Rob Manfred and what he's saying? Uh, I don't, do I necessarily believe anybody here? Um, it's tough. Because I want to side with the players. However, players are telling us absolutely nothing is getting done. And then the owners are telling us that they're making progress. So who, someone, there's got to be something in the middle or somebody has to be lying. Or I guess we'll just side with the players anyway, because that's the better thing to do. Um, but Rob Manfred coming out and telling us spring trainings, he, he thinks everything's going to start on time, is kind of crazy unless there have been massive concessions made by either side. Uh, we learned 
over the last round of negotiations that didn't really get anywhere um, that neither side was kind of budging on, on, on much. Um, and uh, once again, uh, going to blame the owners because they have all the money. He said, uh, you want to believe what Rob Manfred said today. If he's telling, he's saying that owning an MLB team is, has less of a return than you would get on investments uh, via the stock market, which very interesting to me. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess if you bought an MLB team tomorrow at the highest it's ever been, yeah, sure. The returns won't be great, but um, aside from Steve Cohen, who in recent memory has, has spent above and beyond um, to acquire an MLB team. Most of the George Steinbrenner brought the Yankees back in what the sixties. And it was, they, they were early seventies. I yeah. don't even remember what it was. 10, 10 and a half million dollars. Tigers were purchased in the mid eighties for 85 million. And now they're like 1.26 billion. So um, that's over, you know, that's almost 20 times your investment, Rob. Uh, yeah. I guess when you're looking at it from a stock market perspective, yeah, I guess you could look at gains and they're probably like 5% more over that time period, but you're talking about, you know, billionaires investing a fraction of their worth into something that balloons into, into an investment that, makes you a behemoth in, you know, in the American capitalist system. So not sure that I would believe anything he's saying uh, on that front um, to, to say that opening day, he's an optimist and that it's going to start on time. I guess like, that's cool. I'd rather him say that than be like, no, it looks like we're doomed. And uh, yeah, fans are going to be upset. Um, but the man is going to get freezing cold taked at some point uh, because quote, I consider missing games as a disastrous outcome for this industry um, <laughs> was something else he said today. So a lot of, a lot of stuff here. Um, not making promises, but, um, saying things that are getting fans excited or, or the, uh, the, the prevailing sentiment here is to get fans excited, um, that there will be an agreement. He said, what there's, uh, uh, the owners are going to make an offer on Saturday to the MLBPA, uh, yeah. said it's a very fair offer again, do I believe him? No, I don't believe anything until I never see it. Never is. It never is a fair never offer. Is. It's always supposed to be, and it never is. Nope. If the players come out and they and they talk about that's the thing. No one's gonna come out and say, Oh, the owners budged today. We're making progress because then that kind of kind of shows their hand. So we're never gonna know, guys. We're not gonna know anything until something's done and we really don't know when that's gonna be. And the last person I'm gonna trust in any of this is any commissioner in sports, because every commissioner in sports, folks works for the owners. They're employed by the owners. They're voted on and ratified by the owners. Um, and that person's job is to protect the financial interests of the owners. So uh, am I dis- more discouraged than I was yesterday? No. Am I more optimistic than I was yesterday? No. It's same old, same old. I have to see some action here. Not not sold on anything at this point. I think it's crazy that Manford didn't come out, though, and say there will be a delay to spring training. We all know there will be. Like, yeah. it's just... What a crazy posture to pretend like not only are you providing a fair deal on Saturday, but it's so good. It's just going to knock the players off and like their socks off and the players are going to be like, oh, my God, Rob, this is brilliant. Well, we're, we're going to come to spring training tomorrow. I know we're not even supposed to report yet. <laughs> we're going to. We're, we're all reporting February 13th. We're going to be there. Super Bowl Sunday watching the games together. <laughs> um, just like what an unbelievably ignorant thought that like not only like spring training starts in a week. Not only is my offer so fair that I'm going to avert an opening day disaster, but I'm also going to have everybody in camps 
by the next time we speak. Like, come on, dude. Um, you know, the, on, the players are all unified. Solidarity there. It's good to hear Rob Manfred speaking. I, I can't even get to the end of these sentences where I say it's good to hear Rob Manfred speaking about something without questioning what I was saying at the start of that sentence. But anytime you don't have somebody preaching like this is the worst things have ever been, you know, it does. It feels good to be to be massaged and comforted yeah. a little bit. But then again, every time the owners get together with the players, they say we hope we see con- some concessions from the player side. I obviously you got to make some concessions, but we haven't seen any from the owner side yet. They all agree to universal DH today, which we're going to be talking about in a bit, cool. and uh, removing draft pick compensation from free agent signings. Love that. That's kind of a big one, but. Those are two things that those are like the initial chips. Those are like the easiest things where the players are like, can you give us the lowest level possible stuff? And, and those are the things that like, we all knew they were going to do universal DH. Like yeah. for Rob Manfred to be like, I finally bent somewhere and I have acquiesced to universal DH. Like you guys already did that in 2020 during the like last fake little CBA. I know you guys agree on that. So you're mm-hmm. not breaking news. I, I know no, you, you know, when, when push comes to shove, you guys both, side on universal dh being a positive so it's not like we discovered something new today um but every time rob manfred says it's a fair offer and i hope the players bend a little bit it's like well, we'd like to see you bend on some things you actually care about yeah. instead of some things that you know you guys can come to an agreement on so uh I, I anticipated him coming out and saying spring training is uniformly delayed i also didn't expect to hear him say losing games is a grievous failure or whatever he said because we're gonna lose games probably so you're right he is setting himself up to get freezing cold take there um, you know, and then again, he could, when they lose games, come out and just say, yeah, I told you it was a failure and it is, I failed that, you know, I, I apologize. And that's on me and also on the players. Um, you know, he might just say some, some trash like that. You never know. Um, he, he's one of those guys who is going to try to cover his bases when he has the chance to, um, but he's going to have to wear that one for a while. I don't know yeah. if he, he seems Teflon, but you know, he, he did say that. And so if, and when he fails, at stopping, you know, the, the loss of games, he's going to have to wear that one. We'll see. We'll see how that nets out in a couple of weeks. Um, but always the optimist, Rob Man, for just saying we're we're not going to lose any of spring training. And of course, we are. We, we're obviously going to do that. And uh, you know, I'd love to hear from him again after the weekend. But I hope to get an honest assessment from some of the players. I hope this barding session lasts longer than twenty five minutes. I hope this is more of a step forward than it was when we heard they were bringing in a mediator before everybody said to the people born after 1994, wait, they did that already and it failed. Uh, so hopefully this isn't the same thing where everybody on Saturday goes, yeah, this was another big swing to miss. Nobody agreed on anything. Everybody left and nothing was accomplished. So uh, moving on, though, I do want to talk about the Universal DH specifically because we long suspected it. And now we know for sure that it's going to be a part of baseball in 2022. If and when that occurs, it'll be part of baseball in 2023. If we lose this entire season, which we won't, but maybe we will. Who knows? Might lose the whole season. Uh, why not? Everything after the Garrett Cole acquisition has just been how much time can the Yankees lose off of their championship window? We'll knock half of 2020 off. Uh, we'll, we'll, you know, take away the thing that Cole likes to use to pitch in the middle of 2021. So remove about two months of effectiveness from his ledger. And then let's just cancel 2022 also. Um, <laughs> love that. All that good stuff. Very helpful. But whenever baseball returns, there will be a universal DH. Now we know. We thought. Now we know. So mm-hmm. the Luke Voigt trade market, which was, uh, I would say, dead last summer to the point where they decided to keep him, even though they replaced him in the middle of the season with Anthony Rizzo. Then he hit hard down the stretch. And everybody was kind of well, down the stretch, meaning August. And everybody was kind of like, well, nobody wanted this guy, really? Like, Braves got Eddie Rosario. People were getting these game-changing bats, uh, you know, at the deadline that were sort of going under the radar. And when Voight was crushing while Rizzo was out, everybody was like, nobody could have used this dude. 
like led the league in homers in 2020. This is for nobody. But then, of course, made some errors, high-profile errors down the stretch, stopped hitting, got taken out of the lineup once again. Yankees swore they could juggle him and Rizzo. They definitely could have, but they decided not to. So by the end of the season, it was right back to who's Luke Voigt? Why would anybody want an injured slugger who can't really play first base? Um, who is this for? Well, now it's for all the NL teams. For a lot of folks. Because all of the NL teams are built around <laughs> nobody wasted time roster building in the hopes that there would someday be a universal DH. So there's a lot of NL contenders that don't have enough offensive yeah. players. Uh, every NL lineup stocked with Carlos Martinez and Jay Happ and John Lester in the lineup last year. Like, there's a lot of teams that have benches uh, designed around speed guys, defensive replacements. Uh, a lot of teams in the National League aren't exactly overflowing with wasted power potential that was sitting on the bench to play 120 games. Now, the Cardinals could go with a more defensive-minded. I just keep mentioning the Cardinals because that's where Luke Voigt came from. But, like, Tyler O'Neill, maybe you want a DH Tyler O'Neill. I, 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 like, if you have a burly power hitter who's somewhere on the field who doesn't totally make sense, you could shift him to, to universal DH. But... We were told the Brewers were a fit for Luke Voigt. We've theorized about that for a long time. And, you know, who would they have at first base? Rowdy Telez, their first baseman, aren't really defensively focused anyway, but people kept telling us Voigt can't defend. We don't want him. You want him now? Because now you got to fill an extra spot. Yeah. You, got, you, you want Rowdy to be your first baseman? That's okay. You want Luke to be a first baseman? I don't care, but you have an extra guy. You need another man now. The San Francisco Giants come to mind. They like to acquire talent wherever they see it. The, the Dodgers even... Uh, are going to lose Max Muncie for a little while, and they need to fill the universal DH slot too, like everybody else. Muncie might not be ready for spring training, opening day. I, I don't know when Max Muncie will be ready. He's got a voice like a 120 OPS plus dude whenever he's healthy. We don't know if he's healthy, but it's the kind of man the Giants like to steal for like a top 20, 25 prospect and a lottery ticket. There's a lot of teams that could use Luke Voy now, and that trade market which has been ignited, turned off, and then the burner's warm again. Now we're sort of back to a place where I can see some National League teams dipping into this Luke Voigt pool and not overwhelming us with talent, but at least giving us some equivalent value. Yeah, I mean, I don't. once again, I don't really care what the value is. Um, I'm not, I don't want to give Luke Voigt up for nothing. I don't even really want to give up Luke Voigt. I like Luke Voigt a lot. Um, but if you're talking about the Yankees making any sort of upgrades, um, whether it's via trades or whether it's via free agency, they're going to have to clear some salary. Luke Voigt's making five and a half million dollars. And if he's not starting or if he's not your DH, which he's not going to be, because that's what John Carlos Stanton is, then you got to get rid of him. And getting rid of the salary does help because the Yankees, if they want to stay under five million is five and a half million is a significant amount. Um, and you look at all these other teams in the NL, I think the Dodgers, like you said, are kind of an interesting fit because, yeah, they're probably going to want to use Justin Turner a bunch in that role to get him off his feet as he was age 36 or age 37 season coming up. Like he just had one of his best career years, but bad hamstring injury at the end of the season um, in October. You don't know what that means for the start of the year. Maybe he gets off. Maybe he gets off slow. Maybe the Dodgers just want him DHing in the beginning. Um, Luke Voigt. Might be a great fit there. You throw Muncie at third base for a little while, if that's possible. Edwin Rios at third base, or just cycle these guys in and out. Um, the Dodgers love their depth. Uh, unlike the Yankees, the Dodgers find reps for just about everybody. We talked about, you know, last year when they lost uh, Kike Hernandez and Jock Peterson. Everyone's like, oh, well, they wanted more magnified starting roles. It's like they played in 140 games every year. Didn't matter if they were like yeah. bonafide starters or not. The Dodgers find reps for everybody. 
Um, the Giants who need the Giants need a bunch of pieces. They lost a bunch, and their uh, their inclination to spend um, at this point is pretty weak. And they have a lot of like there's no cap space, obviously, but they're not there's not a lot committed to the payroll. It's in like the low 100s. Um, if they want to you know save some costs and maybe they're looking ahead to 2023 or they're looking to make some trades. Um, boy, could be a great fit there, uh, especially with Brandon belt. I know they're, they gave him the qualifying offer, but he's not always the most reliable with health either. Um, and the Brewers, Hey, you want to just stack your lineup? Do they like Rowdy Telez? I don't know, but, um, he is a lefty, which makes things easier at first base for playing defense. Then great. You have these two guys, you cycle them in and out at first base and at DH. I don't see the problem there. I think it maximizes the market. Um, the NL central dude, you never know if a team like, I don't need maybe the Reds. Maybe they want another hitter after losing yeah. Nick Castellanos. And, and I've got them. I've got them yeah. in mind too. It's like it opens so many possibilities, and um, it, the Yankee. It shouldn't. It shouldn't dissuade the Yankees from making any sort of deal. If your market for a certain player just doubles, like it, like it might from from this news, like we have been expecting, which is why we think that the Yankees didn't trade him before the lockout. They're waiting for this to be official and have more people lining up for it makes total sense. You maybe can get, maybe can get in a little bit of a bidding war, maybe be like, Hey, Brewers, Dodgers want them. What do you want to offer? And then you maybe, maybe you get a top 15 instead of a top 20. I don't know, but certain, uh, there's certainly a lot of opportunity here for the Yankees to make it happen. Um, Luke Voigt, if they are going in the Freddie Freeman direction or the Matt Olson direction is expendable. Unfortunately, if they're not going to find any room for him. Um, Remember guys last year, we think, you think Giancarlo Stanton is going to play a bunch of outfield. Really not sure about that because you have Aaron Hicks coming back. They signed Ender Inciarte. Joey Gallo was not using center field for one inning, not one single inning at all for what I don't, I still don't know why we're never going to figure that out. We're also never going to get answers. Um, but there's no space for Voight. If that's the case, being a pinch hitter down the stretch um, infrequently is not going to help him. Like, like what happened this year. Um, so Helps the Yankees for the expanding market. Um, and Luke Boy could benefit a lot of teams. 137 OPS plus since coming to the Yankees in 2018. When he's healthy, he's a very good player. I know health is a big question mark, but, you know, yeah. a lot of players, it's tough to stay on the field for a full 162 games. Um, not many are able to do it year in and year out. Um, there is value in Luke Voigt. I don't think we should be right. Like you said, dude, Eddie Rosario, Good, like solid player. I think Luke Voigt's better than Eddie Rosario. I think that's a that's a worthwhile upgrade. Uh, Eddie Rosario came out of nowhere and was a postseason legend. That doesn't that 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 doesn't happen ever. Um, so there, there there should be an opportunity here, and at the very least, the Yankees just getting that money off the books to give them more fl- flexibility. Um, very helpful. Yeah, I mean, there was a two week stretch in last August where we all thought Voight was the single bit, like passing up on Voight was the single biggest mistake that any other contender made. Yeah. And it made sense to say that he was hitting 400 with like five homers. He was a player, AL player of the week, right? In yeah. like the middle of August. Yeah. Um, so we, we'd love to keep him. We'd love him to be the future. But Giancarlo Stanton is our universal DH. So it's not going to happen. Um, wish he played the field more often, but he just does not. And, uh, all of a sudden, you know, a lot of people, we're not the uh, we're not the only ones who got on the Yankees for devaluing their assets by sitting on them. Yeah. A lot of people looked a little bit foolish today when they, you know, had had gotten on Daryl Morey and the Philadelphia 76ers for holding on to Ben Simmons and what are you doing and nobody likes Ben Simmons, just ditch him, just give him away for anybody, give him to the Kings, you know, and he's just sitting there, he's not doing it. 
I think it's James Harden out of Ben Simmons today. Um, you know, the Yankees, what are you doing? Why aren't you trading Luke Voigt? Why are you tendering him a contract? And then all of a sudden, the lockout happens. Uh, they're going to come back from the lockout with double the market they had for Luke Voigt before the lockout began. So I don't know how this ends. I don't know what they get. But I do know that in terms of a slow play, this is definitely a more valuable slow play than, say, tendering a contract to Miguel and Duhar, which I still don't yeah. understand. Letting Luke Voigt stay on the roster till now so you can still control him when the lockout ends engaged the entire National League, arguably, for his services. That makes a lot of sense to me. Three years of now, control. People are forgetting that. Three more years. Yeah. He's a Super 2 player. And the 2020 MVP. Not yes. really, but also kind, kind of. of. Um, so it hasn't been that long. Uh, still talking to Luke Voigt before last year and asking him if the Yankees and him had had extension talks, thinking it was like the most obvious question of all time. Like, yeah, no shit they have, because he felt like an intrinsic part of this team. And he was like, yeah. not really. And I was like, ah, that's sucks that kind of backfired like i just i hadn't even considered it i was like he's the first baseman of the new york Yankees. it is what it is and when he said that i was like oh, i guess you know there's a lot of control there i guess no reason to talk about it's it but ruin your day man didn't mean it yeah <laughs> go on now also he was injured at the time and had surgery yeah. like two days later and didn't tell me so uh <laughs> you, you you ruined my day too i was like i was asking all these questions like why is this year the year for 28 and at no point was he like oh it's not like this is not very good <laughs> They changed the baseballs, and also my knee needs surgery. Like, forgot to tell me that too. So, um, courtesy of uh, some razor company, Gillette. Um, yeah, shout out to whatever razor company hooked me up there. Oh yeah, um, Luke did did a great job with your product, but did not give me accurate information about his body and how he felt. So, uh, a year later, that's that's coming to a head. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app. Draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. Um, well, let's talk a little bit about the uh, a trade fit that most people have not discussed, yeah. but that we've been banging the drum about this week. Just because, uh, why the hell not? Uh, the two sides are a little angrier than we maybe knew or thought before we dove in. Uh, so that's the Yankees and Cardinals for Jack Flaherty. Now, the Yankees and Cardinals have hooked up before for Luke Voigt. Uh, Gio Gallegos for Luke Voigt, chasing Treve in that deal. Uh, Yankees and Cardinals talk. Uh, this is not like a, there's not no relationship there. Obviously, Mike Schilt is gone. Significant disagreement uh, between the front office and managerial staff last year. Also a significant disagreement between Jack Flaherty and the front office uh, after 20, it was after 2020, right? The Cardinals yeah. uh, and Jack Flaherty went to arbitration, uh, a rare actual clash in the arb room. And uh, it was ru- ruled in favor of Flaherty, right? Yes. Yeah. It's a $900,000 difference. Um, yeah. And the car, and there was no, I don't know if the Cardinals weren't willing to meet midway. I don't, I forget what happens there. You, I know both sides file. And then if you can't agree to the midpoint, you go to the, the arbitration process. So I don't know. I didn't, I didn't, I was reading a bunch of, it wasn't clear to me if the Cardinals were like, Hey, let's get in the midpoint. Flaherty was like, no, I want more money. Mm -hmm. Um, But then at that point, just pay him 400,000 more dollars, dude. Like one of the best pitchers in the NL, the previous uh, two seasons before 2020. So I, I don't entirely know the details there, but it did get contentious. It was the second time since 1999 that the Cardinals went to arbitration with a player and to do it. And the last one was Michael Waka in 2017 
to do it with Flaherty, who was a top five finisher, rookie of the year, top four finisher in Cy Young in 2019. And then he, you know, he had a bullshit 2020 like the rest of the world did. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a little bit, it's a bad look, especially because it was, it was a couple hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. Um, And Flaherty ended up with, uh, you know, a a 2021 season that didn't raise his stock any further than it was, but uh, he battled against some injuries. He came back for the end of the year. Um, you know, nine and two, three point three ERA. Yeah, more goods in like you know a near hundred inning sample. A lot of good stuff from Jack Flaherty uh, because spoiler alert, he's one of Major League Baseball's best young pitchers. So yeah. he he didn't do anything that he you know he didn't uh you know grow three inches or or add four miles an hour to his fastball. But he was just Jack Flaherty when healthy this year. Still mm-hmm. extremely good at Major League Baseball. The two sides are not engaging on extension talks until after his contract runs out that is like the grand consequence of the contentious battle um so Flaherty's future may not be decided until after 2022 he might just be a a free agent when free agency arrives and that's the be all end all maybe maybe they don't engage in trade talks and they just let him walk but that doesn't feel like a fun way for the Cardinals to operate either um and Flaherty is uh, I shouldn't really need to say this but would be basically an ideal acquisition for the new york yankees at this point controllable young pitching number two type ace ish type but they've got garrett cole already and they got luis severino and they got jameson tyon they don't need him to be more than he is he's something pretty special but he was a core cardinal prior to 2021 um two sides disagreed he was excellent when he pitched but the, what do you remember about the 2021 cardinals that winning streak at the end of the year uh yeah. they went from a middling team went on a 17-game winning streak, changed the entire complexion of the season. He wasn't a part of that. He he cameoed at the very end in one of the two games of a doubleheader against Chicago. I believe he extended the win streak to 15, but he started that game. He couldn't even get through an inning. He gave up two runs. He was basically a spot, like a rehab start at the major league level. Because at a certain point, they went from totally out of playoff picture to so far in it that they don't even need to be winning every day. And they just yeah. like, oh, let's give Flaherty this one. They still won the game. He was ineffective, didn't really participate. So you're thinking about the rising tide of the 2021 Cardinals. All the narrative stuff is around Arenado, the offense, everything's clicking, Wainwright having a resurgent year, and they go on the 17-win streak, charge into the playoffs. They lose that wildcard game to the Dodgers, but Flaherty sort of gets left to the side narratively, which is weird um, because that's not the way it was before the season started at all. So just something to think about. Uh, it'll be costly, no one's arguing that the Yankees are going to get Flaherty at a discount, and I'm not even sure if the Yankees are going to be able to get this done now. It might be yeah. a season thing. They might have to revisit after the year is over. But I like Flaherty as a target a lot. I always have. I think he's someone they should go after in free agency if he's not coming to a long-term uh, agreement with the Cardinals, and I'm pretty confident he's not at this point coming to a long-term agreement with the Cardinals. Yeah, it's the way it looks like. Actually, dude, he's a free agent after 2023. They yes. said yes. they were going to – they said if they're going to discuss anything, it's after this season. But I still doubt that's going to happen because um, I pulled up an article from uh, last year, um, MLB.com, man by the name of Zachary Silver. He was reporting on what was happening, um, and he said that, quote, Flaherty and the Cubs have had brushes before as he rejected the Cubs' proposed salary the past two years in the lead-up to his first time through arbitration. Um the club renewed his salary for those seasons. I don't know if those were uh, grander contract extension talks or, you know, they were attempting to coax him with a raise for, you know, 
through a portion of his arbitration years or his controllable years. And he was like, no, dude, like I'll just take it through the process. That's fine with me. Um, but there is a clear disconnect here, whether how Flaherty values himself and how the Cardinals value, value Flaherty. Um, and that's where I don't think it's far-fetched for other teams to come in calling. Look, you, like you said, you look at the Cardinals, went on the win streak without him. If they had him, they could have been could have been even better. Could have been a lot better. I know he dealt with mm. the other the other aspect of this is that it's tough because if you're the Cardinals, are you really gonna entertain trade talks when this is not going your way? When these these uh, arbitration snafus are public? When it's now it it's been reported over the last year that he's rejected your overtures and the fact that he dealt with a shoulder issue this past season, which limited him only to 17 games, and when he returned. After the shoulder issue, he was used in the bullpen twice, which was something that um, he has only done once before, and that was in his rookie season. So um, that's where things get complicated. Um, another ass, an, another kind of layer of this um, is they signed Steven Matz this offseason. I'm not saying yeah. that's that's. I'm not saying that's going to replace Jack Flaherty, but you look at the depth here. You got Adam Wainwright. You got Steven Matz, who had a good year last year. I'm like. Totally fine pitcher, and they're they're kind yeah. of upgrading. They're upgrading in a sense because guess who's gone? Jay Happ, no longer in St. Louis. Oof. Um, yeah, uh, he, was, he was getting a lot of innings down the stretch for them. As was John Lester, but they got uh, Quang Hun Kim. Um, they got John Gant. They got Johan Oviedo, who I think they like. Miles Michaelis, Jake mm-hmm. Woodford, um, mm-hmm. Dakota Hudson. So mm-hmm. all these guys started games for them last year. I'm not saying that they're reliable and and able replacements for Jack Flaherty and what he he's able to bring to the table. But the Cardinals were able to make do and eat innings and get starts under their belt with these guys and make the playoffs. Um, so it, it's doable. And guess what? I looked at, you look at, you look at what, you know, Flaherty's or he, he's projected to make a little over 5 million this year, which decent amount of money. And then you can expect that if he has a decent year in 2022, that might balloon to like 10, 11 mil. It depends. It all depends on what the campaign is like and how much he has to offer. Um, And Hey, you never know. You're talking about this bonus pool in the new CBA. Flaherty finishes, you know, top three and Cy Young. You're talking about another couple, couple mil. If, you know, we're doing bonuses, uh, which is what the players wanted. They wanted an expanded bonus pool for arbitration eligible players who aren't making the money that, you know, one could say they deserve um, that more cash. Um, so if you look at the Yankees, if you look at the Cardinals and the Yankees, they actually do match up. And I'm not trying to, you know, part with the Yankees garbage here um, for someone good. But if you're the car, the Cardinals have four open spots on their 40 man roster. I looked at it yesterday. I was like, what are what? How is this even possible? But they had a bunch of guys leaving free agency. Long story short, lineup is pretty damn good, in my opinion. Pitching depth is lacking. And you can tell me all you want that pitching, receiving pitching depth in return for someone like Jack Flaherty isn't worth it. Well, what if you get a combination of major league pitching depth and then, you know, a top pro, a top 10 prospect or something? I think that's, I think that's like a good starting point. They need bullpen help. Chad Green can help out there. Domingo Herman, who starts and can pitch out of the bullpen. I don't like him, but maybe the Cardinals think they can utilize him and they find, you know, spot starts and then multi-inning relief appearance is valuable. And as a guy who could pop in the back end of the rotation, if someone's injured or if someone needs rest, that has a lot of value. What if you throw in Clark Schmidt, Luis Heal, or Davey Garcia? What if you throw in Luis Medina? What if you throw in Austin Wells? Not all of those guys together, but maybe a combination of the three from, you know, 
fringe fringe major league prospect, mm-hmm. actual MLB pitcher, and then prospect who's coming up. Yadier Molina is retiring. I don't know how much uh, Austin Wells is viewed as a catcher at this point. I know there's been discussion about him maybe being a corner outfielder or a first baseman, but his bat's going to accelerate. Um, I think that's a worthwhile trade for both sides. I, I, I don't know. I don't know if that sounds crazy or not, but if you're talking about the Cardinals who need to fill 40 man spots, build their depth, prepare for next year and beyond or 2023 and beyond. And Flaherty's not a part of your future. You got to do something. And the Yankees have de- areas of depth that they could surplus uh, where they have surpluses that they could trade from and help them out. I don't think, I, I really think that this is something that they, they should talk about if the Cardinals don't want to continue this relationship where it's a, a little bit rocky and, um, the relationship isn't great. It's just, it's never good to have that, you know, going on throughout an entire season. So, Hey, pick up the phone, dude, pick it up. Yeah. Domingo Herman, Luis Heel, and Brandon Lockridge. Hey. I don't know. If you're, I don't know if you're vibing, but like, I'm fine. Not- I mean, I don't think it's crazy. I really, I don't, you want to get better at the major league level. You want to build, you want to mm-hmm. prop up the farm system. The cards have guys coming up too. So they're going to lose some of the top guys. I don't know. I think that's fair for the Yankees too. You're parting with minimal. It's not a big loss. They need to fill something in the rotation. You're talking about how high a Matt Olson trade is going to cost or a high Luis Castillo trade is going to cost. This is, I think this is good because the Cardinals are contending. They want to stay contending and they want to prepare for the future. It's, it's not like the A's where you have to give up a hall or the reds or the, um, who else are we to, Oh, that, you know, Indians for Jose Ramirez, where you're going to give up yeah. like, you know, most of your top tens, this is not that situation. So you're totally right. I love that package. Yeah. I mean, he heals major league talent. We saw it last yeah. year. Lockridge is close to the bigs and is a classic, just like power speed combo guy. The Cardinals look at and they lick their lips and they're like, yeah, we can, we can make that into something like you, you want to play second base. You want to be Tommy Edmond. Like what do you want to do? Um, yeah. And then Domingo Herman is what he is. He's not the centerpiece of this deal. He's just the name that most no. people are thinking of first. Um, but hey, the Cardinals going to say no? I don't know. They, yeah, again, they, they lost half. We took a ton of starts for them down the stretch. They'd be losing. They'd be losing Flaherty, and they well, would they be losing Goldschmidt. Yeah. Any of those guys doing doing much in in Arizona? You know, we're talking about a Carson Kelly for free to be Gary Sanchez's backup, but I don't think yeah. that. No, I don't really think any of those guys are making a huge impact. Yeah. A lot of trades are more boring than you guys are thinking. I think every uh, if all of our listeners just take away one. Little, little nugget of advice for their future dealings. And if, it, if they're about to comment on Twitter or on YouTube or anything, most trades end up being a lot more painless than you think. You look at the list yeah. of guys you gave up and go, I don't, well, that guy sucks. I, that guy was bad last year. My 30th prospect, what's going on? Uh, it mostly happens when your rivals make trades. Mostly you look at your rivals and go, that's all that. Uh, uh, okay, cool. Yeah. Um, but it, it's, it's really not going to be as painful as you think it's going to no. be. Now, uh, let's let's wrap with just a quick tribute to to some guys that do deserve a, a final word and, yeah. uh, you know, time time on the podcast before uh, we sign off. I'd, I'd rather talk about them than not talk about them. Of course, we lost two players in the Major League Baseball family this week, both of whom have significant Yankees ties or, or at least tangential Yankees ties. Um, it, it doesn't take a lot of math to, to get to the bottom of, of how these people are connected to our lives. And Derek Jeter is a central figure in both of their lives. That is Gerald Williams, who is a Yankees outfielder, uh, came up alongside Jeter, is, is regarded as Jeter's best friend coming up, someone who held his hand and led him from the minors to the majors. Williams was on the 96 Yankees, did not finish the season in New York, and so did not play in the 96 postseason or, or help the Yankees directly win a World Series. But in the way that he helped acclimate to Derek Jeter, he certainly did. Williams also came back to New York by the end of his career and was an extremely visible presence at Derek Jeter's ceremonies in New York. And some might 
You know, it, it was always sort of a question for those who didn't know, you know, why is Jorge Posada, Tino Martinez, uh, Andy Pettit, and, and Mariano Rivera are all here, and so is Gerald Williams. What exactly is happening? He was always considered, in terms of, you know, Jeter's quote-unquote family, to be right alongside all of those big names and the core right at the top. Uh, they had an extremely close relationship. I saw Randy Wilkins, who is responsible for ESPN's forthcoming Derek Jeter documentary, the, the captain, which I, you know, I, I can't wait for. It's, I think it's like 50 parts. I hope it's 100 parts. But <laughs> he tweeted uh, after Gerald Williams' death that he did sit down with Gerald Williams uh, for the documentary, which uh, A, is amazing, but B, that, you know, that process started relatively recently, like last year, and, and Gerald Williams you know, passed away after a battle with cancer. That was kept a secret. Uh, we, yeah. we don't know how long it lasted, but it's amazing that he was able to sit for that documentary and, and share uh, his thoughts on Jeter's rise and the role he had in, in all of that. So really, really lucky that that we got to uh, you know have have that uh, all come together in that way. It makes me think of the John Madden documentary too. Just comes out on Christmas, and then we're all excited to you know we all forget what John Madden. How is he doing? You know, and the, the documentary is kind of a reminder. Like he's great. He gets a chance to share his story with everybody, and he passes away like three days later. So yeah. very. You know, similar vibes when I heard that news, but very good to very, very good to know. And I'm, I'm excited for that documentary for a million reasons, but I would love to hear his perspective and, and we're going to get to in the wake of uh, his passing. And then also um, Jeremy Giambi passed away on Wednesday. Jason's brother, of course, they played together with the Oakland A's for a, a number of years. Jeremy is featured in Moneyball and weirdly is traded away midseason in Moneyball, which does not happen. Um, and I know this because I watched Moneyball a couple weeks ago. It's like a major plot point, and it did not occur in real life and didn't seem fair to Jeremy Giambi, who in the movie is portrayed as like a party hound who, who gets sent away from the team because his attitude is infecting the locker room. It's not true. He wasn't traded. Um, he, he, of course, you know, a lot of people are going to expect Yankee fans to memorialize him as the man involved in Derek Jeter's foot play who was tagged out at home plate. I am saying that sentence now, but I have no interest in doing that. Jeremy Jambi was a very good baseball player in his own right. And his brother, Jason, of course, is a big part of the Yankees family. And I would much rather say my thoughts and emotions go out to Jason, a valued member of the New York Yankees family, rather than dwell on the 2001 postseason. That feels pointless. I will not be writing that. I will not be, you know, that won't be my epitaph for Jeremy Giambi, who, you know, that's a, that's a baseball family right there that deserves credit for two different brothers, you know, making the same team, playing baseball successfully for, for a number of years. And Jeremy played, I think, seven or so years, bounced around. And, you know, Philly's family wished him well, Royals family, Red Sox family, uh, had a lot of friends in the game of baseball. So shout out to both of those men who we lost far too soon this week. Yeah, it's I, yeah, bringing up the most infamous moment of someone's career. Like, come on, people. Uh, four, guy was 47 years old. It's a terrible, terrible um situation for his family um i don't know what they're dealing with there was there was something that came out today that it might have been a suicide so yeah um jesus like uh, i'm not gonna go any further than that but you, you gotta love though you gotta love people saying we gotta respect the family's privacy but then also publishing yeah. that like yeah thanks yeah. Like, thanks Great. for reminding me to respect their privacy in the article where you did not do that yeah um, um yeah and sad things gerald williams only 55 years old and uh Michael Kay in, in the article that we put up on yanksgoyard.com uh, talked about on the broadcast how Gerald Williams was so uh, instrumental in Derek Jeter's um, ascension. Not, I guess, not full ascension, but his um, development in the later part of his uh, minor league career. Uh, Jeter was supposedly being 
being uh, heckled and and uh, kind of hazed by uh, a particular player at that uh, juncture in his career in like 92, I think it was. Um, and uh, Gerald Williams took notice and uh, backed uh, took Jeter's corner and made that player know that, you know, if he was going to, if he was going to mess with Jeter again, he's going to have to go through Gerald Williams. Um, yeah. And then they remain friends ever since the 30 plus year friendship. Amazing. You hardly ever see that, especially because how they, their careers intersected for a very short period of time between um, Jeter's time in the minors and then Williams getting promoted. And then by the time Jeter got promoted, it was only like a year and a half with Williams before he got traded to the Brewers. Um, but they remain friends this entire time. And Jeter was the one who announced his death. Um, and um, it was heartbreaking to learn that because you just, you never know what other people are going through and it sucks when you just, Oh wow. He had a cancer battle and now, now he's dead. Like this is, this is awful. This is terrible to learn. Um, can't imagine what he's going through or his family. So yeah. And Giambi as well. Uh, Jason Giambi, legendary Yankee, um, I don't know much more about Jeremy. I know his portrayal in Moneyball was a little bit odd. I thought he was traded that year, though. Was he not? No, I, he left after the season. I, I checked it. He was not traded during the season. Okay. Um, well, either way, yeah, his portrayal. And people were re- like referencing that, too. It's like, dude, come on. Like, we're not. It, it was a fictional. It, it was a wasn't fictional, but, you know, it was a little bit exaggerated aspect of what had happened during that time. And that's not what he was known for. He was a solid baseball player and played with his brother for a number of years, which is a really cool thing that most people never get to do. Um, so uh, yeah. Memorialize these oh, guys. Remember them. He, but. he was, tra- he was traded. That's embarrassing by me. It, that, that movie was about 2002, right? He was traded to the Phillies. Yeah. The 20 so game. My, my apologies. Yeah. My, my apologies there. Traded to the Phillies. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, talented guy. And we don't know what may have held him back. I know in that movie, they talk about, um, partying and, um, all that type of stuff. Um, nonetheless, you know, whatever he was dealing with, uh, was obviously serious and everybody should sympathize with it and be empathetic for what his family's dealing with. Um, and don't make the references, no need for jokes, no need for any of that terrible thing. Two guys, gone one gone before his one gone at 55 one gone before his 50s incredibly young um awful stuff and uh with baseball not in a great spot right now it hurts it hurts to hear that those types of things even if you didn't have i didn't have a great connection to either of these guys i was five years old when gerald williams was traded um jeremy giambi was never on my team so um i i have no connection to those players but it still hurts to hear this type of news it's sad for the baseball community um and it just makes you realize that everything's bigger everything's bigger than baseball folks um so we're, what we're worrying about right now is very trivial between the lockout and all that um you know love your folks give give the positive vibes make people feel good you don't know what people are going through so um lesson learned for today positivity it's good yeah, it, it, it must have been weird uh, for Derek Jeter, obviously, mourning his close, close friends yeah. also be given like it, people probably asking him for comments on Jeremy Giambi, which, you know, he just yeah. w- what's he going to say at that point? Um, it, it also is worth noting that, um, you know, let's not forget that, that Gerald Williams beat the crap out of Pedro Martinez, which we, yes. we did write. Yeah. Uh, we wrote an article about. But it's if you haven't watched that in a while, uh, you know, unfortunately, Pedro wins the game down in Tampa. Those Rays weren't exactly a you know, an epic squad that was, you know, ready to battle back. The, Devil Rays. Uh, the, the Tampa Bay Devil Rays were, were still terrible at that point, but Jeremy Williams got hit on the wrist to start that game. And he punched Pedro Martinez fully in the mouth. So Correct. just watch the, uh, watch the video. I recommend it. That is it 
for this Thursday edition of the Yanks Go Yard podcast. Also, Chris Epps, Porzingis just got traded to the Washington Wizards. So oh. if you're if you're a Knicks fan who hates that psycho, best of luck. Uh, great <laughs> job by great job by Dallas, you idiots, you full on stupid morons. I don't know what you thought you were doing uh, when you got away with that one, but Chris Epps, Porzingis, now a Washington Wizard. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us a five-star review there, along with a mailbag question in your review if you've got something you want us to cover. Additionally, we're live on YouTube Mondays and Thursdays, all off-season long, 2 o'clock Eastern, and I don't see that off-season ending anytime soon, so expect that to continue to be your date with our podcast uh, for the time being. Until next time, I'm Adam Weinrib. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Weinrib. Thomas Carinante, where can the people find your who Matt Tommy's underscore takes. We're also at um, Yanks Go Yard FS, the official Yanks Go Yard Twitter account. And we are on the internet, the web, yanksgoyard.com. Plenty of content there for you. Um, some interesting stuff, formulated some cool ideas. Um, there are a few, some, there's some buzz, there's some rumblings right now that I guess insiders are, they're doing their classic. They're giving us, they're giving us a little crumbs as the mm-hmm. off season goes on. So they don't become irrelevant. Uh, smart, smart idea by them. Um, and if you haven't looked, Jim Bowden ran a thing on The Athletic. We wrote something on Yanks Yard about it. The first move that all these teams should make after the lockout. It's interesting. Makes you think what the Yankees might do. Gives you an idea, idea of what their rival, rivals are going to do, too. And we covered that a little bit uh, as well. Um, but for now, everyone, have a great weekend. Um, have a good time. We'll talk to you again on Monday. Um, and, yeah, spring training season starting on time, according to Rob Manfred. Remember that. Remember that was said. I'm just yeah. telling you to remember it. I'm not saying believe it catastrophic failure if it doesn't happen so remember if it doesn't happen catastrophic failure (laughs) it's a catastrophic failure we will see you on monday hopefully with better news goodbye everybody you know how to book flights and hotels all you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive that's why you need viator book guided tours excursions and more in one place there are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from so you can find something for everyone and viator offers free cancellation and 24 7 customer support for worry free travel download the viator app now and use code viator 10 for 10 percent off your first booking in the app find travel experiences for you do more with viator support for this podcast and the following message come from corient Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.